It's time to get ready for Sunday. This is a weekly preview of the scripture readings in the upcoming Sunday Masses in a Catholic church near you. I'm Deacon Mark from Corpus Christi Catholic Church in Tucson, Arizona. In the next few minutes, I hope to offer some thoughts that will help the scripture of the week speak more clearly to you. Today, that means the readings for the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time, August 22nd, 2021. There will be a couple unusual things about today. First, I felt a need to spend more than the usual amount of time on the second reading of the day from the letter to the Ephesians attributed to St. Paul. That discussion is on this file. And second, I really need to talk about two Gospels this time, the one assigned to this week, and a little bit at least about the one assigned to the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time as well. That would have been proclaimed at Masses last week, except that it was beaten out. The Solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, always celebrated on August 15th, fell on Sunday. So the regular Mass for that week, the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time, was not proclaimed, and the readings therein would not have been heard by folks attending Mass. And this week's Gospel doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense without at least a little understanding of last Sunday's regular gospel. The discussion of that you will find in a separate file labeled August 22nd, 2021, Part 2. Here, in this second reading this week, we continue our journey through the letter to the Ephesians attributed to St. Paul. We started on this letter a few weeks ago. We're still there. The second reading for this Sunday's Mass can come in one of two forms. The priest presiding at the Mass has a choice between two versions of this reading. The reading comes from the fifth chapter of Ephesians. Here's the difference. There's a shorter version that leaves out four verses that appear at the beginning of the selection that can prove troublesome for a contemporary preacher. There are some words in there that can trigger a reaction that makes it difficult or even impossible for some listeners to hear what comes after. I am willing to predict that most of the masses in U.S. Catholic churches this weekend will use the shorter version. Why? Because if the choice is for the longer version with the trigger words, a careful preacher would need to take the time to explain their real meaning or risk planting seeds of misunderstanding in his listeners. And time is precious in a homily. And the gospel of this week is a doozy. It also calls for careful consideration. You can tell which version of the reading has been chosen at the Mass you attend right there in the very first sentence. If you hear, brothers and sisters, live in love as Christ loved us, you're getting the short version. That first sentence is tacked on from earlier in the chapter. You won't hear it in the longer, more controversial selection. There will be no shortcut taken here. Give a listen to the longer version, then I'll try to make some sense of it. 
A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives should be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of his wife, just as Christ is head of the church, he himself the Savior of the body. As the church is subordinate to Christ, so wives should be subordinate to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her to sanctify her, cleansing her by the bath of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So also husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hates his own flesh, but rather nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak in reference to Christ and the Church. The Word of the Lord. <laughs> is everybody okay out there? If you need a moment to calm down, hit pause, have a drink of water, take a deep breath, come back when you're ready. I admit that during the years I was a lector and I wound up assigned to the second reading on this Sunday, I was always praying that the presider would choose the short version. This reading really needs to be placed in the context of the community to which it was written. The Ephesian Christian community was made of men and women from all over the map, not just Jews. The Gentiles were coming from societies ordered around pagan gods. The moral code, if any, that they carried with them into this new faith community was nowhere near the way of living into which they were being invited as disciples of Jesus. The fundamental ideas of what it was to be a man or a woman or in a marriage, all these were far from the ideal proposed for Christians. The letter is offering a view of marriage well outside the range of their previous experience. Next, we do need to understand and acknowledge that this is written in the context of a completely patriarchal society. The specific culture from which the new believers came doesn't matter much in this case. All the cultures were patriarchal in terms of secular things like money, property, political power. Men ruled. Even though the Jewish community is matrilineal in terms of being part of the ethnic group, it was no matriarchy. To some degree, all the new community members were being held to a standard higher than in their past. It's right there in the first sentence. Be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's mutual, man to woman, woman to man, as the moment demands. It's not a one-way street. 
Then look at the word subordinate. It does not address, nor does it assign, any superiority or inferiority to either husband or wife. It's about the ordering of responsibilities of life. There is no direct or indirect suggestion of any difference in the dignity of persons. The original Greek word here is hypotasomai, which literally means to order under. The word is used to describe Jesus in relation to Mary and Joseph as a young man. He was willingly subordinate to them as his parents. I don't think anyone would argue that Jesus was inferior to them. Don't misunderstand. This does not mean all uses refer to a parent-child relationship. It refers to what is called for by the situation and the moment. In 1 Corinthians, Paul used the same word to describe Christ's end-time relationship to the Father, hypotasomai, when all things are subordinated to him. And I remind you, the whole social order of the Mediterranean world was patriarchal. And what comes next is a tremendous challenge for the men of the community. It is a longer set of instructions or standards than for the women. It begins with what might hit our contemporary ears as just a throwaway expression of emotion. Husbands, love your wives. That is no throwaway sentimentality. The verb is agapao. We render it agape. It's the love that is fully devoted to the good of the other, placing the needs of the other before one's own needs. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Be ready to die for your wife, guys. That's certainly not a position of superiority. It's not a claim of greater honor or dignity. Further, as one reads the men's instructions, it becomes evident that the leadership, the headship of the man, is primarily for the spiritual well-being of the whole family. It carries with it responsibility to work for the sanctification of the other. It is a call to service, not of oneself, but of the other. In our parish lives, there's an established order. Priests and deacons are subordinate to the bishop. The bishop is subordinate to the bishop of Rome in his role as the pope. And the congregation is generally subordinate to the pastor. Father Chris, as the pastor at Corpus Christi, represents the head of our church when we see him on Sunday. However, he will tell you firsthand at meetings during any given week, he is subordinate to the bishop. Roles can change to suit the situation. Sometimes the head is the subordinate and the subordinate is the head. It's the same within the church. Mutual submission, mutual subordination is possible between two groups, one of whom has the special responsibility to guide and the other which has the special responsibility to accept guidance. Think of Christ and the church. Did Christ ever subordinate himself? Absolutely. 
Did he wash his disciples' feet? Yes, he did. Did he humble himself? Yes, to become a part of creation in the form of an innocent, helpless child. Did he empty himself completely by willingly suffering and dying? Yes, he did. St. Paul eloquently and succinctly makes the point in the opening verse, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Finally, look carefully at that last sentence in this passage. This is a great mystery, but I speak in reference to Christ and his church. Do you get it? There is some teaching about Christian marriage here, but the main point is about the relationship of Christ to the church. It's a great mystery, the writer declares. We can reach some understanding, and then more, and more still, but there will always be a deeper level to be found. That's what the word mystery means in the spiritual life. It doesn't mean it's something unknowable, so you might as well not try. It is, rather, something endlessly knowable and endlessly engaging. This, however, is no mystery. This is the end of looking at this week's second reading. There's more, of course. In part two, we'll talk about the uh, first reading from the Hebrew Scriptures and the Gospels that make sense of the end of the Bread of Life discourse from John's Gospel. I'll be talking at you.